Welcome to The Lex Factor, a lawfully good podcast where we'll brief you on the business of law so you can build a better practice and capture more billable hours. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Lex Factor. This is Randy Shorefighty, and my co-host this week, welcome back, Brad Pobble. Hi, nice to be here. Wonderful. It's good. I'm excited. It's it's wonderful to have you back. Everyone who, uh, if you're returning or if you're new, uh, if you're new, my voice is new, but for those who are returning, normally you would hear the dulcet tones of Lauren Hoffman, our I, normal I like host. the way you say that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I could, yeah, I could definitely put that together. People were probably going, is this the right, is this the right podcast? <laughs> Who Ooh. is this guy? Exactly. What Lauren, you? your voice has become <laughs> very masculine. It's, it's, it's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Lauren is not able to be with us today, so I am pinch hitting again. So welcome, everyone. And so today... We are going to be talking about CRM. And Brad, what is CRM? I don't know. I was thinking <laughs> I, Dave is going to be our guest today, and right. I wanted to come up with a couple thoughts for what CRM could mean. <laughs> and uh, the only thing I could think of was curmudgeons randomly meandering around. Yeah. But I just don't think I have it yet. I don't think I have it right. Now, and so whenever Brad and I were talking about before we before we came on the air, I, he asked me what it stood for, and I said, can't remember much. So, um, But anyway, we want to welcome Dave Whiteside. Dave is Director of Client Growth and Success at Clients First in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave, thank you for joining us today. A pleasure, guys. Great to be with you. Dave, it's so good to see you. We can actually see Dave in the studio here with us today. So it's, I actually mean it when I say it's glad to see you. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. The, 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 the wonders of technology and Zoom, that is not a paid endorsement. But as Brad said, it is nice to see Dave and as well as our, all of our other guests. So there's a little more of an engaging back and forth. So Dave is here today to talk to us about Customer relationship management. That oh, is, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That is what CRM stands for. So now that we know what the correct acronym for CRM is, let's just kick it off and ask Dave. Dave, what is CRM? Well, thanks, guys. And it's great to be with you here today. Um, well, by definition, uh, CRM is a software system that enables an organization to collect, store, analyze and leverage information about the organization or in the case of a law firm, the firm's most important asset, and that would be the relationships that lawyers have with clients and prospects. CRM is one component of what we refer to as the marketing stack. You've probably heard that term before. Mm-hmm. because There's actually a, a series of uh, tools, if you will, that, uh, that enable a marketing team and oftentimes the firm to, uh, to really do all the functions that they want to do. And just to kind of quickly go through the whole stack, and then we'll, today we're really going to focus mostly on CRM, is uh, there's a, a second component called ERM, which instead of customer relationship management, it stands for enterprise relationship management. And it's a little bit different type of tool that uh, really is designed to capture uh, information for signature scraping, but then what they do is they actually measure the relationship score. Who knows who and how well do they know them? Mm-hmm. It's, a very, uh, it's a nice addition to, uh, to the marketing stack. And it, they tend to work in tandem with the CRM system. 
Also, firms usually utilize what's called an e-marketing tool. And there's a whole number of them out there, and we can talk about those at some point. But that's really, if you uh, think of keeping your contacts in your CRM system, the e-marketing is how you actually get the communication out the door. And uh, so when you, you know, somebody, you receive something, that's probably where it came from. Also, experience management is something that's a little bit unique, I think, to, uh, to law firms and how they use experience management. And, and that's the process of really capturing what work is the firm done? Um, I, I view relationships and experience as the two most important things that a firm has, mm-hmm. because without relationships and without experience, which is the work they've done, it's kind of the product of the firm, if you will, the firm wouldn't be there, it would cease to exist. And and oftentimes the last one, firms often like to have what we would call a pitch and proposal system, something where they can put together, you know, a packet of information to get out the door, might be an RFP or a proposal or send the attorneys off to a meeting with it. But uh, but that is is really the components that make up the marketing stack. So CRM, just in general, I mean, it sounds you're speaking very passionately about it. I want to know, you know, what drives you about CRM? Why, why are you passionate about it? You know, it's, uh, it, it's something that I know I personally use one. I, I rely on the one that we use in our organization every single day. And, uh, and I find it extremely valuable. And I, I think that when done, uh, done well, they bring a lot of value to a, to a law firm or any organization that uses it. And, uh, in fact, it's, you know, in the, in the big picture of things, if you think of the Walmarts of the world and places like that, uh, all their inventory, all those things are run by, by a, a, a type of CRM system. It so, really runs the gambit. It's, a, it's such a large variety of different systems that you're talking about there. It, it is. And there, it works across all industries. I've been doing this in law firms for a lot of years. And law firms are interesting in how they use CRM. They are probably quite different than a lot of industries because typically you don't think of a sales, you know, CRM is often equated with salespeople and we don't think of law firms as having salespeople. In fact, what makes law firms somewhat unique, and I guess a lot of professional services, is the salesperson and the product, the service, are the same. Right, so right. That it, it, it's a little bit different dynamic. And so how they use CRM and the types of functionality that they look for in using CRM tends to vary a little bit uh, more with, uh, with a law firm. Right. I could definitely see that. You know, I think of the different law firms out there and them working to adapt the CRM into their practice. You know, sometimes I think that they might be able to struggle with that. Um, do you have any advice for them or any thoughts? You know, it's uh, one of those projects that... Uh, it can be difficult if it's not well done. And a big reason for that is because CRM is usually a tool that from a lawyer standpoint, it's very handy for the marketing department. Marketing departments use it all the time, but they'd like to have the lawyers use it, but it's hard to get lawyers to use a CRM system. And it's because they don't always see, you know, why, why do I need this? You know, they have to have a time and billing system in order to get invoices out the door and log their time, but they may not, see the need for it. They've probably got other ways that they go about uh, using or getting work done where the firm says, you know, you could use this CRM system. And they say, you know what, I use Excel and I use Outlook. So there's a lot of uh, lot that has to go on. But then it's kind of all over the place. You need that central repository, you know, to keep that information in. You're absolutely right. When done correctly, it is a huge benefit to a firm. A lot of CRM systems, 
they'll say that you know anywhere from 50 to 70% of CRM deployments, the word they use is it fails to meet expectations. And what that often tracks back to is, well, what exactly were the expectations? And how were those expectations set? And how realistic were they? I see this all the time where firms want to, you know, they, they see it. In fact, oftentimes they have the FOMO, right? They got the fear of missing out. We need a CRM system because everybody else has. One. Right. But at the same time, they're completely afraid the project's going to fail and they're going to face the music if that project fails. So there's this fear of failure and risk. And, and so anytime any, you get that combination of FOMO followed by the fear of failure, um, it can really create this hair on fire experience that I say is somewhere between a bungee jump and drag racing. <laughs> but they, Don't combine they, the two. It's, it's they, a bad, it's bad. <laughs> but they get this real life anxiety about it. So really proper planning and expectation setting is the key to this. Let's measure twice and cut once as the carpenters say. That's a great segue. Um, working with Brad, Brad is the chief information officer at Lexicon and I'm in the, the PR department at Lexicon. So our paths cross in, in a number of, of ways and instances, you know, throughout a day or a week or a month. Culture is, uh, I think, a guiding principle. I think that's fair to say for Brad. Not just with regard to, you know, managing and designing the IT infrastructure for Lexicon and any of our clients, but culture is very, is one of his guiding principles. And I've heard him talk about that a lot. In meeting expectations, how does culture come into play with the CRM system or platform uh, in law firms? It is probably far more important than most law firms give it credit. And some of the reason for that is, when you work inside the law firm, you're part of that culture. And so you, do, you can't always objectively look at the culture for what it is. I often quote, I think it was Peter Drucker that uh, said this. He said, culture eats strategy for lunch every day. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and that is no, nowhere more is that true than in a law firm. Um, you've got a partnership here of people that are very single-minded at times. Uh, they are sometimes can have this my client my mindset. You know, they're very individual in how they go about their things at times. And they can be very collegial, but the question becomes, are they collaborative? And that's really where the culture question comes in. And the other part is, and I, I, I sometimes just make fun of law firms, because <laughs> if you can just picture each of them carrying around a little sack, and that sack has their contacts in it, and their information, and who they know, and they don't share it with anybody else, then this process goes on inside a firm where if someone knows someone at another company, they send out this all points email. Everybody gets it. Hey, does anybody know anybody at this company? And it's just a very ineffective way of, of communicating. Right. And we see that so much in, in law firms. And the other part that oftentimes doesn't get taken into account, uh, you know, a, a firm will buy a CRM system, they go to deploy it. And if you're not taking culture into, into effect, you know, are they, are they collegial or collaborative? But the other part oftentimes is compensation. You know what? Compensation drives behavior. Right. And if the compensation system does not incent people to work together, there's no way you can get a CRM system to overcome that. So you have to figure out how do we get the CRM system to work within the, the limitations and the confines of what we have here as a culture, as opposed to trying to fight the culture every, every step of the way, because that's a good way to have it go bad. 
Right. I could definitely see that. You know, you talk a little bit about uh, sales, uh, kind of building that brand, the sales side of the business from an attorney perspective. And then you kind of switch gears and talk about the importance from a CRM to have that information in a system for, you know, making sure that it stays updated, making sure that the firm collectively has that information instead of that that bag picture you painted for us as them walking around. I pictured cavemen, but uh, um, I'm not sure why my mind went there. Not that it's a, a correlation, but uh, I could see both sides. Are we asking too much by that, by them implementing the CRM, is that too much out of the wheelhouse? Or what are, do you have suggestions on how that can get closer to their wheelhouse to kind of change the culture at the same time you're implementing a CRM? What I always use as kind of an example here is kind of a, an analogy to implementing a CRM system is like a tax. And so the question becomes, are you putting a tax on your lawyers? Are you taxing their time and their ability to, to do more productive things? Mm-hmm. And when that happens, um, nobody likes to be taxed, I guess, is the bottom line to the whole thing. Right. And so they're, they're going to fight back because at the end of the day, I, it's, it's what I call the WIFM, what's in it for me. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Anytime anybody is asked to do something, they tend to look at it through their personal lens of, okay, well, what's in this for me? I can see where this might benefit the greater organization, but what's in it for me because this is affecting my time and my ability to get work done and what's important to me. And so when I, when I talk about this, this idea of the tax, um, let me start out, you know, just share a couple of, of things here, what I call my little tax factoids. Sure. If you think about this, any tax tends to depress the activity being taxed. You know, so if we've got uh, income taxes and payroll mm-hmm. taxes, it affect how many people you can hire, right? And they're they're also used to drive behavior and affect behavior. So you got sin taxes, right? We're going to put extra tax on the cigarettes and the booze and all that stuff. And and then you got tax breaks and credits. You know, we're going to give give money back over here for a particular behavior. But usually, people look at that and they say, well. That, that hurts me, but helps them. That's not fair. So you get all of that going on. So oftentimes when I'll ask firms to, let's take a look at this through a tax lens. Are you taxing your firm rather than benefiting them? And so if we, if we think about that, there's some correlations here. You know, it's, and what it really stems from is the concept that nobody really likes to pay taxes, right? I mean, nobody likes to do it. It's your money. Nobody likes to do it, although we do it every day. Yeah. Whether it's payroll or your gas tank, we're, we're paying taxes. But the reason for the dislike is pretty simple. Rarely does anyone feel they get the same amount of benefit back from the tax they paid in to, the, to what they get back. It just doesn't work that way. Everybody feels like they paid in more than they received. Right. And if that's how a CRM system feels, you're always going to struggle to get adoption. And so, I mean, if, if a tax is viewed as a burden, if your CRM is viewed as a burden, it, it's, it's going to struggle. If it's, you know, taxes are viewed as good for Uncle Sam, well, maybe if your CRM is viewed as it's good for the firm or good for the marketing department, but not for me as an individual lawyer, I'm going to struggle with that. And I'm always going to look at it as if I'm paying my unfair share. I feel like I'm paying more than I'm getting back out of it. And, and so because of that, just like a tax, I'd like to legally minimize what I have to pay. Well, I'm going to legally minimize what I have to do in this CRM system. I'm going to do the absolute minimum to get by. 
if I do anything at all. And, and so there's, there's really this, this whole concept that the benefit just isn't there for the amount that I have to, I have to contribute. Right. So, so how do you change that around? How do you, how do you, you know, change that philosophy or that thought process? Well, we go through a process with, with clients where, you know, we really have to get them to understand this is your culture, accept it. This is what it is. We have to, to really see the strengths and the weaknesses and figure out how do we work within it. And we have to define the requirements that the business driving requirements so that we can figure out what will benefit these people. What will they look at as helpful and beneficial and we'll get them to use the service. It's the, you know, it, it's the other side of the, the what's in it for me. Well, here's what's in it for you. And, and if we identify those correctly and we train them and we configure the system and we, and we communicate this properly, you can have success, but it's a lot of work and, and it doesn't take too many missteps in that process to, to have this thing, have the thing kind of come apart. Mm -hmm. And, and once, once they start to turn on the system, it's really hard to get them back. You know, you kind of get one chance to make a good impression and, once that's gone, it's, it's really hard to get another, get a second try at it. You know, if, if a law firm or any business for that matter, doesn't have a CRM, they may have heard of it. Don't know what it's all about. It's something new for some change. Isn't good. They have to learn. They have to step outside of their, you know, their normal comfort zone. And just like you said, yeah, CRM could be viewed, you know, as a burden or as a tax and no one wants to go through that. And I was just wondering if you could just maybe expand on some of the compelling reasons why lawyers or law firms uh, should adopt CRM in their practices. Really, the, the biggest thing for a lawyer is the ability to understand who do we know, how well do we know them, and what do we know about them. If we can get that consolidated into an easy, single view, uh, simple to look up, lawyers will go use it. It's, it's not, uh, not easy to get all that information in there. But at the end of the day, the lawyer needs to be a consumer of the information and not the editor and not the, not the input person for the information. It's very difficult to get them to put information in. But if we can collect from a multitude of systems, that information all exists somewhere in the firm. We have to identify where does that information exist today? How do we bring it into a CRM system? in an easy to weigh, easy to use system. And one of the best ways is today, a lot of the CRM systems, they actually work right inside of Outlook. So you can be sitting in your Outlook window, which is where attorneys spend a great deal of their day. And you can pull that information right in while you're in Outlook. And that's a great way to get them to, to, to use it. It's really, how can we fit this into their workflow without having another login to another system and that's what really what makes it more difficult is anytime it looks like something that sits outside of the normal workflow. So we have to figure out how do we get this to fit into the workflow and get it into the view. Another way that a lot of firms uh, are getting some success is through mobile applications. If a, an attorney, I know today nobody's going to conferences, but in the days when uh, we go to conferences and meet people, you know, the, some of these uh, mobile applications for the CRM systems, they, they have card scanners. Mm -hmm. So rather than having to enter the person's information, you just take a photo of the, of the business card. And it not only puts it into the attorney's phone, it actually can put it right straight into the CRM system. Oh, that there. would be nice. Yeah. 
So you, you, you start figuring out what are some of the little things that they will value. Um, some of the other things that, uh, that they like, it makes it easier to get people on lists and to communicate with their clients uh, and, and things like that. So it's, you know, they can go into a CRM system, go to that contact. They can see all the lists that the firm has available and say, yes, add my, add my contact to this list and this list. So there's different, uh, different ways to, you know, provide benefit to them that they see as useful because otherwise it might be a lot more work for them to get those sure, people on Sure, I could see that. So really what you're saying is, you know, I look at it from both angles and really from an attorney perspective, what you're suggesting is through automation and through proper requirements gathering and understanding, you're going to make their lives easier with a CRM because they can get to their information faster. They can do all of those things. So that's really what's in it for them. It allows them to do their job more efficiently, easier, and that's where they're going to find the success. Whereas on the firm side, you're really going to see a collection of that information that you have. Exactly. And, but yes, if you, if you want to get participation, and this is just, you know, human nature, right? We're, we're going to do things that benefit us and we're going to, we're going to stay away from things that don't benefit us. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. So it, it's really the process of figuring out what makes it unique. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we see, I have, uh, you know, if you, if you go on and uh, Google like uh, the uh, the Swiss Army knives, there's this one out there that has like 82 different gadgets on it, oh and it has 140 functions, and it weighs about two pounds and way more than anybody could ever use. Yet somebody buys that and puts it in their toolbox or something. A CRM system is a little bit like that in, in that it has hundreds, thousands of functions that it can do. Mm-hmm. Nobody needs all of those functions. So one of the keys to this is figuring out, in fact, we tell most firms, find the top three. Once you find the top three, go with them. Now, those top three can differ for different parts of the firm, different departments, uh, different practices, different people even. But once you can identify the three things that that person finds important, now you've got something to work with. Forget about all trying to sell them on all the hundreds of other things that the CRM system can do. That's what we want to do is focus on these two or three things that actually make their life better. And then when you train them, you actually have, we recommend train them right at their desk, Mm -hmm. one-on-one desk side. Don't send them a video. Don't send them to a class, train them right at their desk with their data on those two or three things that are important to them. And that's when you've got a chance to get them. How long has CRM been a tool within the legal, you know, for law firms? Was there a time where it really took off or was it a a gradual build or was there like an aha moment? I I, I think a lot of firms are still waiting for that aha moment. But, uh, but yes, I, you know, the first CRM system was built by Siebel back in maybe the early Uh nineties. And I think the first law firm, CRM system was actually the, I believe it was interaction from LexisNexis, and it probably came out 25 years ago, something like that. Right. And, uh, and, and it's still out there today. It's a growing area. The products, you know, there's a number of them that serve the legal industry now, and the products are getting better and better. You know, cloud and new technology. It used to right. be that 
you know, like all programs were 15, 20 years ago, they ran so slow, nobody wanted to use them. <laughs> and so it's, it you know, it was just, just, that was just technical functionality. Right. But, uh, but today it really comes down to the, the key user functionality and how simple, how few of keystrokes can we get something done? How easily can we, can, can we render information for the lawyer and make it available? So those are the types of things today that, that really drive firms. Although I think it's probably safe to say that today, in fact, some of the recent uh, studies I've seen over the last year or two, um, about 75% of law firms that have CRM systems say very few of their lawyers actually use it on any regular basis. Um, it's, it, it is a tool that is widely used in marketing departments. And oftentimes the work that they wish the lawyer would do is actually done by the business development team or the marketing team. They actually enter the data, mm -hmm. but, uh, but it, but it seems to be, but it's coming, it's growing each year. Uh, the statistics around attorney usage improves. Some of that I think is younger generations coming that are more technical savvy and uh, they, they seem to gravitate to it uh, much more quickly than uh, say an attorney who started many years ago and had a paper Rolodex and is just really never gravitated to the technology. <laughs> I used to have a paper Rolodex just I did too. A year, I did too. A year or two ago. <laughs> a year ago? <laughs> Randy. One, one or two years ago, yeah. Randy. I'm, Dave, please tell us yours yours was not still around a year ago. Did you did you move uh, over? No, it's it's been gone at least two. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a slow adapter to a lot of technology, but that's just the way that's I, that's just the way I'm wired. I hate to say it. I, I, I've never had a Rolodex. I just never um, have. No, it, it could be because I I don't know anybody or don't have. Oh but. no, I I would say that's false, <laughs> Mr. Pavel. But anyway, um, we've talked about the adoption of CRM and how to uh, inject culture into into the adoption of CRM and overcoming the tax perception talking about the why and for whom of CRM for law firms. So what's that definition of why and whom for of CRM for law firms, but then also how CRM can deliver the who and why benefits? Yeah, the, the, the who and why are really critical. Um, and, and what I talk about is when I see a lot of uh, charters and business cases where, you know, a, maybe a a firm is trying to get the CRM system approved by the executive committee type thing. I see all these uh, lists of benefits. Oh, better client relationships and less client attrition and better cross-selling and improved team collaboration and staff, you know, savings and all these, all very good. You know what? These are very, very noble and great ideas, but what they don't have is they don't have a who, like who benefits from that. And they don't have, a why do they benefit and how do they benefit? And so there really needs, that needs to be taken a little bit deeper. Um, we need to define very tightly who's the recipient of these benefits, why and how does it benefit them, and how do we go sell them that this is going to work for them. Right. And, and so that's really what a successful rollout of CRM is all about. It's that communication factor. In fact, we, we think that one of the areas that most firms probably underestimate is the importance of a complete communication plan to roll out a CRM system, starting with right from the day you acquire it, and then as it lives forever, you're always communicating with them. This is what it does. Here's how we do this. 
here's a success story, here's, and, and you just have to keep on communicating with them. And because nobody ever likes to be surprised, right? You don't want to be, you know, putting your CRM system together here in the background. And then one day you just bring it out to them and say, ta-da, here Surprise. it is. <laughs> yeah, how about this? And uh, it just doesn't work that way. You know, they have to be involved the whole way. They have to know it's coming. You're pre-selling these benefits. Uh, you're talking to them. You're getting them ready. It's, and, and, you know, any good software rollout would work that way. And CRM is absolutely no different yeah, uh, because of that. So, I really think you're talking about, you know, changing the culture along with the tool to get them ready for it, getting them understanding the, the what's in it for them, the why, the who, all of those things. So important in any software implementation near and dear exactly to my right. heart. Exactly, <laughs> exactly right, Brad. <laughs> that, that is what it's about. And, you know, so it's, and one of the other things, too, that we uh, we see is you can't you can never be over sponsored in something like this from your leadership. The more engaged your leadership is with supporting, sponsoring, mm-hmm. messaging, using the system, the better off the, the whole project is going to go and, and the life of the CRM is going to go. I kick myself for calling it a project because we don't ever look at CRM as a project it's because it, it goes on forever. It's a it's a fundamental change in how you operate your business. If you treat it as a project, that means it dies when the project when the rollout ends. And in so many so many firms, that actually happens to them. It's not a project. It's a way of life. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Well, I think uh, you know I really learned a lot uh, today about CRM. Uh, clearly, I was way off on the definition of what that was, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, I think we could dive into it a little bit more in another episode. Absolutely. And what we normally do here, Dave, at the end of every Lex Factor podcast episode, we, we, we like to review three things or three takeaways. And from, from my perspective, and Brad uh, provided a great segue for that, um, because there's, there's so much to learn and discover about CRM, one thing um, that we talked about, at least that I highlighted, was culture. Uh, making sure that the culture within your law firm is prepared to not only accept but to implement a CRM program. Uh, because if, if you don't have that culture, then it's not going to be accepted. A second thing that I uh, wrote down was communication. Dave, just like you said, you know, if your communication plan uh, for rollout of that CRM is, hey, here it is, we got a CRM, let's go to work. <laughs> Jumps right out of the cake. That, that's right. Yeah, exactly right. Pull the rabbit right out of the hat. So there's the culture, there's the communication, but then uh, defining the why and for whom, basically the benefits, better, mm-hmm. cl- better client relationships, less client attrition, the ability to cross sell, not just, you know, let's say you have a, you know, a medium sized law firm and your law firm, you know, specializes in more than just one area within law, real estate, tort, family law, whatever, gives you, you know, an opportunity to cross-sell, you know, but that CRM can also help you increase team collaboration, revenue, profitability, and one very important, just as important, if not more than, more important than any of those, is greater client and staff satisfaction. Anything you want to say with regard to client and staff satisfaction before we close out? I think it's important that particularly with the marketing teams, they end up using these tools a lot. They, they spend a lot of time in them. 
So making sure that they are effectively set up to meet the daily demands and that they're not constantly trying to work around the system and have workarounds and things, I think is really important. I think it makes their job uh, much more rewarding and, uh, and you know, keeps them from frustration and burning cycles on things they shouldn't have to. And it's, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, once it's in there, they just kind of accept it as it is. But, uh, but I think it's important uh, to have it working as optimally as possible for, uh, for the marketing team and the, the, what we'll call the power users. Sure, absolutely. That's right. The power users are in marketing. <laughs> Mark that down. Is that you, Randy? <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's stored up in my mental Rolodex. Yes, that you're a power user. Oh, I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that that brings us to the end of this uh, episode of the Lex Factor with Dave Whiteside, and just as Brad mentioned earlier, Dave is going to come back for a second episode on CRM. We want you to tune in for that, but before you tune in for that, listen. Remember to listen, like, and rate, and subscribe to the Lex Factor. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or you can go to our website at www.lexiconservices.com under the Knowledge Base tab, and then you can filter through podcasts. We have a number of podcasts uh, approaching 30 now. Oh, yeah, quite a few out there. We are growing, exactly. So listen, like, and subscribe to us. And uh, for this episode, I'm Randy Shorefighty. And I'm Brad Pobble. It was such a pleasure, Dave, to have you. Thank you, guys. It was great being with you here. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, we expect to have you join us again for the next episode of The Lex Factor. Thanks for tuning in to The Lex Factor. Lexicon takes care of business so you can take care of law. Learn how to build a better practice at lexiconservices.com.